Hello, and welcome to the Three Caffeinated Coaches podcast. Our Spill the Tea guest today is Debbie Tannenbaum. Debbie works as an elementary school technology specialist in Fairfax County, Virginia. She is an educator with over 20 years of experience. Debbie supports both staff and students to integrate technology tools into instruction throughout both co-teaching sessions and weekly technology classes. She emphasizes working collaboratively with other educators to use technology tools that amplify student learning and empower student voice. She also blogs and shares her thoughts and reflections regularly on her website, www.tannenbaumtech.com. We are excited to share Debbie's expertise and experience with you. So grab some caffeine, take that first sip, and join us as we discuss all things mentoring, coaching, and leading across education. Good morning. Welcome to the Three Caffeinated Coaches podcast. I'm Shannon Moore here with Becky, uh, joining you this morning for what will prove to be a fun and I believe enriching experience. I want to introduce our guest today, a special guest, Debbie Tannenbaum. Debbie, we are so glad you can join us this morning. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. And just to give everyone a heads up, our Spill the Tea Summer Series is meant to be a platform to give educators, leaders, mentors, and coaches the opportunity to join us and share out big announcements, new updates, or just give the scoop on something happening in education. We're excited today to be talking about making learning sticky with Debbie. But before we get started, Debbie, we have to know what is your favorite caffeinated beverage? You're going to think this is silly, but my favorite caffeinated beverage is caffeinated water. Wait, <laughs> um, we're going to need well, you to elaborate just a little bit on that. This is the first well, time I, I'm like hearing this, of this. It, like I don't drink coffee, but I drink like the crystal light strawberry caffeinated water packets. Oh, I had no but idea they had caffeine the right now. <laughs> How much caffeine well, is in there? I don't remember off the top of my head, but like that's, I drink at least one or two bottles of that this every morning. That sounds well, amazing la- and dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in getting your water intake and your caffeine intake, we've just learned something new. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I would have to say for me, it's always black coffee, but if you're not a coffee drinker, we still appreciate the caffeine dose you're, you're, you're chugging along with every single day. So I want to, I want to go ahead and uh, learn a little bit about you. If that's okay, Debbie, are you all right with a question? I am absolutely fine with a question. You ready? All right, here we go. So as an educator, someone that's been in the educational field for a lot of years, right? There's always a topic or a focus or an issue in education that keeps us up at night. We always have that one thing, one or two things. Could you maybe share a little bit about what you're so passionate about that it keeps you up at night? I'm really, really passionate about student creation and making sure that there's voice and choice in that. I believe that we spend way too much time with consumption in schools. And I really think that if I've learned one lesson over the last couple of years, it's that reflection piece is so key. And that reflection piece really comes when you take what you've learned and you synthesize and reflect over it and create something new. So it is something I feel super passionate about in almost everything I do with students and with teachers. I talk about how we can create with students. And that's one of the reasons I love technology is it gives all of us an opportunity to create things we couldn't create without the technology. 
Oh, I love that so much. And so we, uh, Shannon and I recently did an episode on reflection and I have to know, how are you encouraging students and teachers to reflect in the classroom? Let's focus on students first though, because I know that that that's challenging. And that was one of the things we talked about. We, we want to build those opportunities for reflection, but sometimes it, it tends to be like the last thing we get to. So how do you encourage reflection? Well, like I said, I believe that that creation process in and of itself requires a lot of reflection because if you're learning about something, you have to do that synthesis piece and figure out what it means to you. But we do a lot with what we call portrait of a graduate skills in my district, which is essentially that future ready skill. And so one of the things that we do do as part of that is that whole critical thinking piece and really making sure that kids really understand why they're thinking what they're thinking, how they, I know that their ideas are good. How can they, you know, really take that next piece and really share their thinking with that. And we have the students do a pretty good amount of reflection when it comes to how they use those 21st century or portrait of a graduate skills. So I feel like it's kind of become part of our culture. I would like it to be even more part of our culture, but you know, I understand that we have time constraints, but I feel like the more we work on doing authentic products, the more reflection that happens as part of that. Absolutely. In fact, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? It's not about just that one point of creation. It's about stopping and reflecting on that process of creation. Um, You know, in my classroom, we always talk about creation and I, I find, you know, I'm at the secondary level and I find that students struggle with that, right? Like they struggle to get, you know, kind of started when it comes to, you know, working without limitations or boundaries. And I'm finding over the course of this year is that's become kind of a journey for me as well, right? Integrating creation over that consumption piece. I'm finding that metacognitive like approach is really not only supporting their learning, but it's also giving them a little bit of confidence, right? As they move forward. I also want to touch in and kind of do a follow-up question on something that you said. You mentioned this idea of you, you're kind of creating this culture, right? That is, that is really embracing everything that you mentioned. How was that starting off for you? You know, you're, you're a school-based technology specialist. And so I know you're probably coming in and supporting with resources and, and such, but culture doesn't just happen, right? It, it takes some time and some, some investment. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And this is my second year at the building I'm at. And so I I don't necessarily think it's something that I inherently did. I do believe that I've promoted the use of a lot of technology tools to do things in different ways. But a lot of that was due to necessity with COVID. We were remote up until two weeks ago um, for the most part. And so I think a lot of it is, you know, you know, you have to meet challenges by trying new things. And the teachers in my building have tried amazing new things. I can't get over all the new skills they've learned. And I'm lucky that this past summer, uh, my administration asked me to do two weeks of professional learning opportunities, where I was able to then create some customized experiences, some, you know, whether you were a Google Slides beginner or a Google Slides advanced person, or you wanted to learn about HyperDocs, or there were a multitude of sessions. And I was lucky that I had people in my building who wanted to provide some of those sessions in addition to the ones I did. But because those things were available, I was shocked at how many people came. But what even was more shocking to me is our paraprofessionals, our instructional assistants, were probably my highest attendance rates. And I've never had them come to anything I've done before. 
And they've become like the hidden gems of our school. And I feel like since they have confidence in using these tools, it makes it easier for the teachers to take new risks because they know that the people who are helping them out have a background versus before that group of people did not have a real good, great background when it came to tech, but now they're really advocating for themselves and doing more things. And it's so amazing when I get one of them saying to me, well, I was on a Pear Deck as the co-teacher and I have a question. Well, that's amazing. Like it just shows that it's all hands on deck and that we're really all here to help our students. It's not based on our title. We all can lead. That's incredible. Yeah, I love that so much because that's not a common practice, I would say, at most sites where you get your aides or uh, paraprofessionals or supports to join in and truly engage in supporting that learning, which comes down to risk-taking. Like, that is a culture of risk-taking that you put forward. And I want to know, how do you create that culture of risk-taking? And is that tied in with your making learning sticky So can you share a little bit about that? Are they two completely different components? They're a little different, but I've really in the last, especially in the last two years, really tried to embrace taking a lot of risks and modeling a lot of risks. The teachers in my school, although not as engaged in Twitter, um, are more engaged in Facebook and other things. And so I really, it used to be, I would just post my blog on on Twitter. Now I post it on Facebook as well, because I also want to make Even if I don't necessarily get to share everything with the teachers I work with in the building, I'm friends with a good chunk of them on Facebook. And so I'm able to share things then. And I really feel like the risk-taking at my school was caused by the necessity of people needed tools. And during the summer, they felt like they had the time. And I think that's really key. Some of us want to train teachers all the time. And I am definitely one of those people. But we had these two weeks where we were really able to get teachers when they had the time and bandwidth to learn and then do something with it. Um, And I think, and one of the things that we did, and I'm really grateful to my administration is I went to them and I was like, well, some people still want to learn. Do you mind if I put these in Edpuzzle so they can get asynchronous credit for participation? And I was a little nervous that she wasn't going to let me do it, but she did. And I can't tell you how many people did those trainings asynchronously in addition to the people who did them live. And I think that that's just really key, you know, that whole idea of being able to learn. And sometimes our brains are so full, especially right now, that we don't have that bandwidth. But a lot of times it's also that we don't know opportunities exist. And, you know, people like the three of us, we know about things that are going on, but not everybody does. And so sometimes just giving people those you know, here's something you can go to. And, and, but like I said, that summertime was really valuable. Some of my teachers went to my presentations that I did in other parts, uh, other places as well. Now they're overwhelmed. That's too much, but that doesn't mean that next summer we can't plan something like that again to continue that. But I think that that modeling is key. And also the whole idea is we um, do have a pretty active STEAM department in our school. And I'm teaching two sections of STEAM this year but really focusing on that whole idea of design thinking. Mm, And last year I went to this great creativity workshop by Adobe um, create, it was an Adobe creative day, but they talked about the fact that Rebecca O'Hare, I believe is her name, that you have to have 10 ideas before you really hit that creative idea. And so I really, as I go into my, whether it's part of the special schedule or whether it's part of my co-teaching with teachers, really tried to embrace that idea that 
it isn't always your first idea. Sometimes we have to go through that iterative process to really reach where we need to be. And it's okay. Everybody has, and I think part of with my blog, I'm vulnerable. And I share the fact that there's times where I flat out failed and I've learned yeah. from them. And I think that's just really important for kids to see. And I think that because there was less worry about accountability in the last two years, teachers felt like they were more free to do those things. Yeah. Wow. That is crazy and awesome. And I think that like you said a couple really great things, but one thing I want to touch on, and I, I see Becky is jumping at the bit excited to, you know, add, but one thing I did want to kind of touch on was you mentioned this idea of like taking the opportunity, right? Cause you have access, you figured out, you know, the power of either social media or how to search for, you know, the different con- conferences or um, resources. And you've provided a space to your, you know, colleagues, the educators you work with. And I think that's key. I think a lot of the time educators feel like they're doing this alone, right? That they're going at it alone. And, you know, if you're on Twitter, edu Twitter at all, you know, you've seen the hashtag, hashtag better together. And I think it's really wonderful, Debbie, that you touched on that idea of, you know, you have made something accessible, you know, and and I, and I hope that others, you know, listening to that will, will hear that and say, you know, cause I think there's a lot of people that think I don't have anything to offer. Right. I'm, I'm on, I'm on edu Twitter. It's crazy. I'm on Facebook education like platforms. It's crazy. Everybody's doing all this, these awesome things, but sometimes it's just providing that access. Um, and so I, I think that that's really encouraging. Uh, and yes. I'm really, 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 really like kind of inspired by that because I think even just the simplest, you know, outreach can really make a difference. And it's really amazing, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to be anything fancy. I mean, I've only been on Twitter since 2017 and last spring I got hacked and I had to start all over. So I was originally Mrs. Tannen B. I got hacked at exactly 1600 followers because I had a picture of it because I thought it was a cool number. (laughs) <laughs> and I had to rebuild completely over the last year. Wow. Now I've rebuilt plus, but I've actually made connections in a totally different way because the second time around, now I'm no longer just connecting with people in the ed tech space, but I'm connecting with leaders in education because I've been exposed to things that I wasn't exposed to then. And I understand that not every teacher in my building is um, going to necessarily have the time nor the bandwidth to do that right now. But I mean, that's definitely one of the things that I touch on in my book is the whole idea that you don't need to teach behind closed doors. I did that for a very long time. And I'll be honest, before I joined, became a connected educator, I was an okay teacher. But being a connected educator has enabled me to hit greatness in a way that I could have never expected because I have met such phenomenal people who've exposed me to such phenomenal perspectives. And I've grown in so many ways because I know I'm not alone. I completely agree with you. Being a connected educator makes a world of difference. And I I guess for me, I just want to know if you could give advice to any teacher out there who is feeling like they're in that silo or they are at this alone, what would that be? Because you've talked about, you know, meeting teachers where they are. You've talked about giving platform that's accessible, but what would that advice be for that teacher who's just feeling like they're on their own right now? Well, I think it, you know, it depends on what you're most comfortable with. 
when I first started really engaging with this, I joined Twitter, obviously. And when I first started, um, a lot of it was just, I, there were certain tech tools I was using and even just looking at a hashtag was an easy way to start. Um, sometimes I would follow a company or follow somebody that was in my district or even a colleague. One of the things that my administrator did in the school where I joined Twitter is that she had this wonderful board, um, bulletin board up at the front of the school. And she encouraged all of us to join Twitter. And she had a hashtag for our school. And she put each of our Twitter handles in this bulletin board. And by doing that, we all followed each other. And something as simple as that changed the culture of the school because now the fourth grade teacher or the first grade teacher who I never had had any interactions with, their stuff showed up on my feed and I might go out of my way to say, wow, that was really cool what you did. And so that was definitely a transformational thing because even something as simple as that, I mean, some of us work in small buildings, building I work at right now, we have close to 900 kids. Last year we had a thousand. That's a lot of teachers. We have like 40 teachers. Well, we can't, we have four different parts of our building, you know, making sure that people know what's going on in other parts of the building. Something even within your building is, can be really effective, Mm -hmm. but other things can be really great. Like in Facebook, there's so many amazing Facebook groups that have popped up. You know, I had to recommend one. I'm a teach better ambassador. Teach better has been phenomenal. It's changed my life and teach better. One of the things I love about it is it takes you where you're at. And if you just want to lurk on their Facebook page, you can. If you just want to look at their stuff on social media, on Twitter or Instagram, you can. But then they provide all these amazing opportunities. You know, they do their 12 hour lives. Both of those have changed my life. And they provide all these, all these free courses, plus some courses that you have to pay for. But there's so many ways to connect with people. And if I had to say, if I had to pick one thing that changed things for me completely, it's the connections I met made through that particular group. And that's not the only group, but if I had to pick one, the Teach Better um, team has been phenomenal for me. I'm an ambassador. I do their Teach Better admin mastermind every week, even if I have to do it at night because I can't fit it in during the day. But I've just met so many amazing people. And you know, sometimes when we're really passionate, we feel like we're the only one who thinks a certain way but I'm not. And I yeah. found this group of like, it was funny when I tried, to, I applied at one point to be a Google innovator. I didn't get in and that's okay. But they call they said they were a group of like-minded wackos. Yeah. And I'm proud to be a like-minded wacko. And eventually I'll become an innovator when COVID's out of the picture. But, you know, it's really great to have a bunch of people where you have this like group of people in the room who are just providing so much value and you can provide value back to them. And it's just such a great way to learn. Yeah. It's inspirational. Yeah. 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 You had mentioned, uh, as you were speaking, you mentioned this idea of transformation and I Mm -hmm. know that, you know, looking at your blog, which is phenomenal, by the way, your website's beautiful. I just have to say that. (laughs) Shannon and I, before she dives into this, we like spent so long looking at your whole website. We were like, this is so pretty. (laughs) Like it's just well put together. So yes. Okay. Sorry, Shannon. No, no worries. And we'll throw that in the show notes for all our audience listeners. But one of your blog posts was about your one word 2021. And if anybody follows you on Twitter, they can see that transformation is a big part of your year. Can you give us a little bit of insight? What what motivated that? Why choose transformation as your one word for this year? So last year, my one word was challenge. And in 2019, I went to ISTE and I 
did a whole bunch of things I had never done before. I thought I was kind of an introvert, but I found out that a lot of ed tech people like me are introverts who just need other people like them to be extroverts. <laughs> Absolutely. And because I took some of those risks, I decided in 2020, I was going to challenge myself. So 2020 was about doing things like presenting more, working on my book, just really going out of my comfort zone. That whole idea, if you don't ask, the answers always no. And so as 2020 ended and I was working on finishing my book and talking to some publishers, I knew that what I had was really great, but I wanted to take it to the next level. And I was lucky enough. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Lindsay Titus. You probably are. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to her word party. And so she took us through a list of activities to help us kind of come up with our word. And as I went through it, that word transformation kept coming up. And it's kind of ironic because my books, part of my book's name is transform totally unrelated. Um, but I just really wanted to take the gains that I had made in 2020 and take them to the next level. And I looked at words like metaphor, metamorphosis <laughs> and things like that. And I was like, no, it, let's just keep it simple. And um, I really have been focusing this year on taking the things that happened last year and taking them to the next part, to the next level, to really make them even more dynamic and transform them. And um, it's really been an amazing year. I can't believe that we're three months, you know, a couple months through and everything that's happened in this past year. It's amazing. Yeah. I think that that's incredible. And, uh, you know, for those of you guys that are listening and you're like one word, what one word is all about choosing a word that kind of guides your path and your journey for the year. Uh, and it's a focus word that keeps, you know, you aligned with kind of your goals and your purpose for the year. And so I think transformation's uh, a wonderful one. And I can't wait, like just watching like on Twitter. I mean, obviously we just became connected on Twitter recently and I've enjoyed everything, you know, that you've put out and I can't wait for your book because I think that, you know, it's going to be an important uh, kind of addition to the educational world. So and you, you made a comment um, earlier about how some people don't think they have anything to say. And when I first started blogging, I felt the same way. And I was participating in a Twitter book club and Sam Fessich, who does Edge of Magic, I sent her a copy of what I was planning because I felt like she was, I was reading her book and I was like, I'm just going to get advice. And she wrote back to me saying that my story was a story that hadn't been told and that it had twists and turns. It wasn't one straight path where everything was perfect. But it was a story that people needed to hear because I'm not the only one who's had a story like that. And she really encouraged me to press that publish button. And my website's had many different iterations since then. At that point, I was just a Google site. I didn't have a, you know, a domain name or anything like that. But I look at the earlier blog posts and then I look here and I can see the growth. And it's really helped me to grow. And also it's, I I love reading what other people have to say, but it also helps me. I read, you know, I read a lot. I'm constantly learning. This helps me process everything. And I just get so excited when something I write resonates with somebody else, because that's just like a bonus. Like I write for me, but if it resonates with somebody else and it inspires them, well, that's like, you know, even more, it's just, you know, like gravy on the top or whipped cream on the top. (laughs) Oh yeah. And real, like, just real quick before we transition out of that, you know, I love that. I love that you just said, I write for me and it's a Mm -hmm. bonus if it impacts somebody else, because I think so many, including myself struggle with that because they're like, oh, you know, you need to have the right words. It needs to be put together well, but 
if you're writing for you, that really does take the load off, right? The pressure. And I think that that's, that's a good perspective. And And there's some posts that like, you know, the post I just posted today is all about things I'm doing in April, but the post I wrote before that I had a death in my family. I posted that one pretty much without any fanfare. I didn't tag anybody. And it was just a reflection on a life in my family that had impacted me. And so sometimes it's really personal. Sometimes it's to share things I'm doing, you know, but all of those things are part of us as educators. We're not just the person standing in front of the classroom, but we're a whole person. And we need to model that idea that when we're learning and growing, it isn't just in one area, but it's in all areas. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, 100%. And I love that you also say like everyone has a story to tell and your story has not been told. So I'm really happy that you are taking that time to share your story and encouraging others, because even if you don't realize it, like you are inspiring others to want to to showcase and share their story. You kind of started dabbling in this, but um, we often have challenges, right? In education and things that push us in new directions or guide us in different ways. Can you share a challenge, whether it's with blogging or within switching careers, anything along those lines, or within writing your book, a challenge you've experienced and how you were able to fail forward or grow from that challenge? Well, right before I um, joined Twitter, I was in a school district that um, was a much smaller school district than I had been teaching at. And while I was there, you get used to working in a big school district and things are different. And it turned out just not to be the right fit for me. Sometimes, you know, it's a good fit and sometimes, you know, it's not. And it was a really tough year for me. The way I did things was not the way my administrators did things. And it kind of was not the best environment for me. And I was beginning to feel discouraged. I wasn't sure whether teaching really was where I wanted to be. And I was definitely floundering a little bit. I'm really lucky. My husband is amazing and he's always encouraged me, um, even when things are tough. And I kept going, even though it was, you know, I decided to leave that district. I decided to go into the district I'm currently in. You know, when you're someone who's been teaching a long time and you're trying to go into a new district, sometimes it can be a little tricky. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes people are like, well, why are you switching now? And I knew that the small district wasn't what I needed. I needed a big district, but I also wanted to be closer to home. I had taught 17 years in a district where once I married my husband, I was traveling 45 minutes a day. It wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I got really lucky when I met my principal at my district I'm at now that she saw something in me that I didn't see. She was, like I said, the one who introduced me to Twitter and She really encouraged that growth mindset. I remember thinking on Saturdays, I would look on Twitter and she was doing all these Twitter chats. And I'm like, how does she have time to do all this? (laughs) But she was really modeling something for me that I had never seen before. I've worked for a lot of great administrators, but she had just a different way of looking at things that really kind of inspired me. And, you know, when I told her I wanted to become a tech coach, she could have said, no, I don't think that's a great idea. She was like, I see you're passionate about this. I'm going to do what I can to help you. She even met with me and helped me like with cover letters and interviews. And sometimes, you know, they talk a lot about that good leaders, they don't always just tell you what to do, but they also help you grow so you can lead. And she really did that for me. Oh, I love that. And that goes right back to being, you know, a connected educator and finding your people, finding your, your educators that are not just there to make you smile, but really lift you up and help you grow. And then that encourages you to do exactly what you're doing right now, 
Mm -hmm. supporting other teachers in their transformation, showcasing like you can do this, you have a voice. I think that's beautiful. And I love that you had that administrator, that person that could lift you up and say, yes, this is a right fit. And here's where you can go with it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's really special. And I think it's important that, uh, you know, all of us kind of take a lesson from that. We talk about it all the time, right? How you should surround yourself with like-minded wackos, I guess, and yeah. uh, <laughs> individuals and that go ahead, go ahead. And it's just funny because the tech coach who was at my school that year came up to me and said something to me before I even told my administrator. And she's like, I think you should do this. And I was like, well, it's only my first year in the county shows. It doesn't matter if you, if you have the skills and you have the mindset, they'll take care of the rest. And yeah. so, you know, being exposed to people that help you really grow is just so important. And, you know, as I'm working with my teachers or I'm working with other colleagues, like just that encouragement of go ahead and try it. I'll be here. I'll be your safety net. You know, all of that's just so important. And so many times I've gone in and teachers been like, I'm trying something new. Can you just be there? And I was doing a lesson with one of our school counselors and she wanted to use Paradex Flashcard Factory. And I had never thought about using it for school counseling. And she's like, I just need somebody else there. And we did this wonderful lesson where kids were talking about identifying feelings and coming up with a good response to it using that. And it went really well. Yes, there were a couple of glitches, but knowing, I felt like her knowing that I was there helped her and me, then I was able to share that as one of the things I do something weekly for my teachers sharing like celebrations that they do. I was able to then highlight her and say, look what she did. If you want to learn more about this and you're nervous about maybe coming to me, you can always go to her too. And you're trying to also build that capacity because, you know, Mm -hmm. that's really important because with the tech field, things are continually changing. So we want to make sure that, you know, I am not the only person who has that knowledge, but that we have a team of people who other people can also go to as well. Sustainability. Yes. I mean, and it started with investment in you, somebody Mm -hmm. that said, yes, you can. And now you are sharing that wealth, right. And investing in others. And yeah. that hopeful, hopefully that ripple effect will change the face of education. At least it sounds like some good, good things are happening in your district. And that's exciting. It's exciting to hear. Um, and I think a lot of educators right now are at that kind of the precipice of change and what could be in education. And I think pandemic education has really, like you have mentioned, changed so many things about how teachers you know, approach curriculum development, how they approach delivery. Uh, and so, you know, it's just... It's an amazing word. And I, I really appreciate, you know, you, you sharing that with us. Getting to talk to you just a little bit. I've learned a couple of things, right? I've learned that you're innovative. I've learned, Debbie, that you're passionate. I also obviously stalked or lurked on your blog, as you, as you said. And uh, we found out that you're a mom of four teenagers. Wow. You yeah. blo- and a dog. <laughs> you, and a dog. <laughs> and you blog, blog regularly. And you are constantly making conference appearances. And, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, you're on a plethora of podcasts this week and just, I don't know how you do it all. However, (laughs) I want to learn a little bit more. I want to dive a little deeper. So we're going to, we're going to do a a rapid fire questions round where we're going to throw some questions at you and uh, we'll just kind of go back and forth here quick and easy. Let's just, you know, kind of get to the point. And hopefully by the end of it, we have a little bit more of a, some knowledge about your awesomeness. On top of all of the awesomeness that you are already. So, okay. (laughs) So 
you already kind of mentioned somebody that, you know, inspired you. You talked about your husband being super supportive and, you know, your administrator really kind of um, believing in you. Uh, I have a question though. If we're talking about people, who is someone from Edu Twitter that you would like to meet in person? If there were no boundaries and tomorrow you could meet up with someone, who would that person be? Well, I'm hoping I'll get to meet up with that person. It would be George Kuros. Um, mm-hmm. I am a total fangirl. Um, I'm hoping that once my book comes out, I'll get to actually meet him face to face, but he has definitely been an inspiration. And if I could meet one person, it would be him. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. He's amazing. So if you get to meet him, you know, send him our way. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, what drives you as an educator, a leader, a coach, what drives you as that tech support and connector in education? I really want to make sure I prepare, we prepare our students for what's to come. They talk about that, you know, we, we don't know, I can't remember the exact um, percentage, but like 90% of the jobs or something like that, that are going to exist in the future don't exist now. We don't need to prepare our students for the world we grew up in. We need to prepare our students to find problems, to solve problems, to get information, to seek to use their critical thinking skills, to analyze things and make sense of things. Our goal is not to teach kids things that they can Google. That's not a good use of our time, but I really want our students to learn how to take what they've learned and really create something from it, really learn that that whole design thinking process is just so essential and really making sure that they understand that it's not Yes, grades are important, but it's not about the grade. It's about the growth and really focusing on how they're growing and evolving because learning is a lifelong process. It's not just something you do to get a letter on a piece of paper or on a computer screen. Oh, I 100% agree. And you like are speaking to my heart with that ISTE article and then talking about the design thinking and where we want students to go. Okay. That could be a whole episode in itself. Sorry. Rapid fire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where do you see education going in the future uh, for yourself? Where do you see yourself going in education in the future? So I do have actually now I have three teenagers. I have one of my kids is 20 now. So And um, my youngest is 15. She's a freshman in high school. And so my goal is, is that I would like to continue to develop what I've been doing with presenting and speaking and writing. And um, sometime in the future, I'd like that to see where that goes, maybe do some consulting once I have an empty nest, Um, but really see, you know, I love what I'm doing in my school, but I'd also like to see what I can do. I have some definite ideas about where I'd like professional development and learning to go in the future. And I'd love to be able to work on that in a um, more holistic viewpoint versus just working on it in an isolated building or just a district. Um, I'd like to see where that can go. The world is ready for you. I think, I think uh, based on what we talked about, it's, you know, get ready world. Cause here comes Debbie. That's at least how I feel. I'm excited <laughs> yes. and I'm energized. All right. Um, my next question for you, we have two more. Okay. When did you know education was your path? Hey, I have, I'm like one of those people who's known, like I have pictures of me in front of the raggedy and chalkboard when I was eight years old. <laughs> nice. Love it. <laughs> I made my sister and all my dolls sit and I played school. Like So I've known it for a very long time. I've just always loved doing it. Originally, I wanted to be an elementary school French teacher. 
Um, that didn't happen. Okay. Um, my, first, my first year of teaching, I found technology and found that that was a much better fit. But I've always just loved helping people discover new things. And that's what I love about teaching is that process of watching that light bulb, that discovery, that empowerment where a student understands, whether it's a student, a child student, or, you know, a teacher, understand that there's more that they can do and they can learn than they thought was previously possible. Yes. Awesome. I love that. Which brings me to my final rapid fire question. Why should we continue to pursue innovation and creativity in the classroom? because we need to, our future depends on it. If we don't continue to innovate inside of our classrooms and really push risk-taking and do all of those things, um, we're not gonna be prepared. Like I said, our world's gonna be very different in 20 years than it is now. I think about how different it was when I first started teaching and where it is now and things we do now, I couldn't even have dreamed were possible then. I remember thinking that using Netscape Navigator was like this revolutionary tool when I, when I got my master's in 2002. Um, but there's so much more we can do. I remember when I first got exposed to Google and thinking, wow, kids can work collaboratively on things like that and how amazing that was. And it's just amazing how things keep evolving. I mean, think about 20 years ago, if we had had what we had happen today, we would have had to pass packets out to students mm-hmm. because of this. And I know, you know, whether depending on where you are in the spectrum, some people think that education was better or worse, but innovation happened because it was necessary. Teachers learned whether they were teaching on zoom or Google meet or whatever platform they learned to reach their students in new ways. And one of the interesting things for me is we use a platform called blackboard collaborate ultra, and it allows a private chat just like zoom does. Well, when we went back in the buildings, teachers were like, well, how am I going to private chat with my students now? Wow. Amazing. For mm-hmm. students who were shy, it provided them a way to access their teacher that they never had before. And yes, yes some students had trouble accessing information. And that is a hundred percent true, but all of us value connection in our SEL and our social emotional learning more than we ever have, because we've seen the impact of it. And yes, we are here to teach students standards, but we are also here to help grow humans who are going to be caring individuals who will, you know, lead us in the future in a way we want to be led. Yeah. You are like speaking to my heart. It's like full of kindred moments. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think so many people are, you know, when we get back to the classroom, when we get back to the classroom and my question is, what are we doing for the students that, you know, thrived in virtual learning, you know, because there are some that did. And uh, so supporting in all ways and yeah, social emotional learning has become so much. It's always been around, but it's become a necessity. You you talked about necessity, right? And, uh, and I hope that once things start to get to some new semblance of normal or however, that's going to, the new abnormal as Georgina, our third caffeinated uh, coach likes to say, I hope that those, those elements don't just fall off. I hope we don't resort back. And I think that that starts with, you know, leaders like you and, and those listening and everybody else around the world who are, you know, striving to do something more and be different and be better. Yeah. I think that's one of my biggest fears is that we're going to try to go back to the way it was completely. And, you know, as I see the emphasis on testing this year, I worry about that because, you know, are we focusing on the growth or are we focusing on the gap? Another Lindsay Titus um, Pearl there. Our kids have learned resilience this year. Yeah. And resilience is going to take them a lot farther than we think. 
because resilience helps you survive. Memorizing facts is short term. Right. And goes back to that creation over consumption piece. Right. And yeah. yeah. And so, uh, which was a good segue. (laughs) 100%. Yeah, no, I love that so much. Okay. Before we close, we want to give you the spotlight to spill the tea. So we know you have some exciting news to share. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but take the next couple minutes to spill the tea on something big happening in your life very soon. So I am in the next couple of weeks going to have my book, um, Transform Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky, published. I am so excited about this. Yes, um, This too. is like my journey. Transform is actually an acronym and it talks about, basically it takes you through the process that I kind of went through. It talks about my first early years of teaching when I was teaching behind closed doors and how I turned away from them how I discovered technology and found transformative tech tools or transform tech tools that really gave my students opportunities that were really versatile, that promoted that creation. It talks about how I use thinking routines to really build on that reflection project zeros thinking routines. Mm -hmm. It also touches on the idea of agency. I work with K to six students and we do a lot with our students or I've done a lot with my students to promote their agency. I, when I first started teaching my little ones, I was playing whack-a-mole. I was helping one, another one would pop up. It was exhausting. (laughs) And I was listening to a podcast in fact, and learned about the idea of teaching students icons. And that changed my Mm -hmm. life in a lot of ways. I use a lot of icons as I teach. It's a visual reminder of what we're doing. Um, Last year, I actually then added a little bit of whole brain teaching and my students now have signs for a lot of the things. They know that this is username, this is password, we go download and upload and all that kind of stuff. We do a lot that involves our whole body in it um, and ways that we empower our student voices. And then the book really digs into that teacher empowerment that we've talked a lot about, you know, seeking connections outside of your school, building your PLN, offering your voice. And then Mm -hmm. it kind of ends talking about some of those lessons we just talked about, how we've learned that there's ways we can maximize learning using technology that we might not have previously thought of. And, you know, you know, with four kids traveling to conferences is a little cost prohibitive, especially with one in college right now. Um, <laughs> right. But I've been able to present at what, 19, 20 conferences in the last wow. two years. And that wouldn't have happened without the technology. And I've met so many amazing people through that, that I would have never met without these opportunities. And so really getting educators to understand, yes, you can teach behind a closed door, but you don't have to. And if you don't want to, like we talked about with the Teach Better team and other things, there are easy things you can do to kind of dip your toe in the water and it can be lurking to start and then you can kind of dabble further. But I have not met anybody who's an educator who hasn't benefited from it because honestly connected educators are the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, So Debbie, I am super excited about this book. I know Shannon is too. I know all of our listeners are, when can we pre-order? Where do we get it? Or where should we be following you? So that way we can make sure we do know about the pre-order if the date's not set. So I'm pretty much Tannenbaum tech on all social media. Um, Boxer. I'm on Twitter the most Instagram. I'm now a clubhouse groupie. I've joined that cult. Another yes. great place to learn. I'm Debbie L. Tannenbaum on um, Facebook. 
I also have my website, Tannenbaum Tech, which has my blog, and I'm continually adding to that. I'm really trying to take it from just being a blog to becoming more of a resource. So um, I've definitely made some changes over the last couple of weeks as I work on that. And once the book comes out, there will actually be resources for the book on that website as well. But I would say if you have to pick one place, Twitter is probably the best place because I've been posting at least in 2021 every three days. And I definitely have been trying to put out as much content as I can because the more content I put out, the more I grow. And I really do want to be a resource to educators. Ladies and gents, if you're listening, if you're interested in following somebody innovative, creative, passionate, resilient, and uh, just kind of a change maker in education, we encourage you to really reach out and uh, spend some time getting to know Debbie. She is accessible and eager and excited to connect with you. At least I know that from experience. And so Debbie, we are so grateful for you taking the time to meet with us today. Honestly, it has been enriching and uh, I've learned so much and I can't wait to pick your brain further. want to give you one last opportunity Any last words for our listeners before we sign off? Don't be afraid to try something new. Mm -hmm. The worst thing that can happen is that you're where you started. I think that's really what I've been embracing in the last two years. And even when, if the answer is no, you're going to learn something from it and you're going to grow. We have to model that for our students. If we want our students to become the type of adults that can, you know, be productive and responsible and caring adults, We have to model that risk-taking for them. They have to see us falter and show that resilience because it's not about being the perfect teacher. It's about being the teacher who is resilient and never gives up. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we hope your caffeine is strong and your inspiration is high.